Welcome to Stories We Don't Tell, a podcast about storytelling. Stories We Don't Tell is a monthly event in Toronto that features candid stories of strength and resilience. I threw out my prayers, they went flying like balloons. The air whipped our hair, we went shooting down the valley. Knuckles gripped upon the handles, shivers rushing down my spine. What's a blind? In the summer 2014, I was single. I embraced my newfound freedom by signing up to as many internet dating apps and websites as possible. I decided that since I couldn't handle being in a long-term relationship for a while, I would simply abandon my preconceptions and just accept whatever situation was thrown my way. To this extent, if you asked me out for a cup of coffee or a drink, I would always say yes, regardless of what my rational or emotional brain was telling me. I met some pretty interesting people. I remember one person, blind drunk, arguing with me in a bar about immigration, a topic that she had insisted on bringing up despite my protestations. Later she would further insist that we rate each other on the, on the basis of a variety of categories she had chosen. <laughs> including hotness and successful conversation skills. But the thing is, she was super attractive. And I was just drunk enough to say, I think you're super hot. But she asked me to rate her on hotness. Of course, it didn't help that the online profiles that I created for myself were genuinely insane. Generally composed of a mixture of in-jokes with myself, super, uh, super specific jo- uh, quotes from shows that I like present as my own opinions, and, and macabre and inappropriate interests. My online presence didn't exactly scream, I'm a normal person and I want to have a normal time with you. As far as I know, my now defunct OKCupid profile still has grave robbing listed as my ideal date night activity. That was kind of the point though. I don't really want a normal or serious time. One of the only real aspects of my OKCupid profile was the fact that I was an academic and that my research interests were in Simone de Beauvoir and existentialism. At some point in June, I was sitting in the afternoon in a coffee shop searching through OKCupid profiles. One in particular caught my eye, an attractive woman that had specified on her profile that she was interested in Simone de Beauvoir. So I wrote to her, Simone de Beauvoir is the best. I write on her a lot. I was surprised. She almost instantaneously replied. She's quite the woman. I keep trying to find someone who will do Halloween with me, or any day really, as Beauvoir and Sartre, or Kahlo and Rivera. But it sadly has been tough pickings. This is pretty interesting. So I write, I'm a stranger, but I will do this with you. <laughs> so that thing started taking an interesting turn. She responds, now all we have to do is find some women to seduce. Research for getting into character. That's a Beauvoir reference. You don't have to, you don't have to get that. So you think that I'm aware that there's some serious flirtation going on here, but I'm not. Um, 
Which makes my next comment seem a lot more provocative than it actually was intended. Of course, as an academic, I fully appreciate the importance of thorough research. But my unintentional flirting leads to, uh, to everything taking a pretty unconventional turn. Because the new message reads, I will admit, I'm a little turned on at this point. <laughs> so, I'm not turned on at this point. Like, it's like four or five in the afternoon. I'm sitting in a coffee shop reading academic books surrounded by people. It's like not a classic like being turned on time for me. So I don't I don't say this. So remember I'm trying to like embrace new experiences. A new message. So this is probably too forward, but what are you doing right now? I have an event that I have to get to later, and it's gonna be very hard making polite conversation with other thoughts on my mind. I pause, then reply. That is very forward, but I'm not doing anything. What do you have in mind? <laughs> Sex. <laughs> Definitely sex. Before or after a quick drink. In bed or somewhere outdoors. <laughs> so I can't emphasize this enough. This has not happened to me. No stranger on the internet has ever propositioned me for sex after a quick exchange of messages. I also like stranger sex outdoors. <laughs> I, I don't know what to do with this. Like it seems even weirder because it's still basically the afternoon. I give her my address and she tells me <laughs> and she tells me that she's going to be over in half an hour and that's that I passively arranged for a stranger to come round to my house for sex I walk home from the coffee shop quickly and now I have 30 minutes so I don't know if you've ever been in this kind of scenario. Um, but I'm not really sure what to do at that time. Because I'm not really sure how you prepare. Um, I do the most obvious and courteous thing. I shower, right? I think that's the right thing to do. At the very least, this person can report that I was clean. with a stranger yesterday he was kind of weird but you know what he was really clean <laughs> and that's the stranger sex reputation I'm aiming for <laughs> after the shower however I'm at a loose end I mean I have to tell you I'm a super anxious person like uh, diagnosable like generalized anxiety <laughs> disorder anxious um, there's literally nothing more terrifying to me than a situation I have no control over and I have no idea the outcome of. So I know that for some, like, the idea that a stranger is going to come over for NSA sex is like a fantasy. For me, because I have no idea what's actually going to happen, it's pretty much close to my worst nightmare. 
So after the shower, I have a good 20 minutes or so where I just don't know what to do. I mean, I don't just want to stand looking at the window because that really sends the wrong message. Instead, I just stand around uh, like a man awaiting the verdict of a life-changing trial. I get a text. She's here. So I open the door, and sure enough, there's the attractive girl from the profile standing there on my doorstep. I say hi and invite her into my apartment. I have to add that it's super brave of this girl to come to my apartment. Not least of all because I'm a strange dude that she met on the internet. But because in order to get to my apartment, you have to walk at some dark and ominous looking steps. Like, I'm a pretty sh- I'm a short, unintimidating, friendly person. Um, but my gender, sexual identity, and apartment's architecture are, cons- <laughs> are conspiring against me and should definitely raise flags for any female strangers coming over for sex dates. <laughs> so not only can I, can I not believe that she actually exists, and is actually here, but I also can't believe that she's willing to accompany me up some dark steps into a strange apartment. But the joke was on her, because I killed her, and that's the end of my story. (laughs) We're standing in my apartment now. (laughs) And I'm like super unsure of how this should proceed. I mean, sex is sex, it's not like arranging to pick up some furniture. Like, what's the etiquette here? Does the sex just start? What's the preamble? Should I just say, so you're here for the sex? The thing is, I'm not used to sex without some kind of context. Normally there's been dates or conversations or a relationship or... But this time I have nothing, absolutely nothing to go on. (laughs) Society does not prepare you for this kind of event. So I'm racking my brain for what to do now and I come up with an idea. Does she want a tour of the house? (laughs) Now that's really funny in of itself. Because it should be pretty evident to her that my house is not tour-worthy. I'm not living in a Victorian mansion. I can't talk about how many generations this house has been in my family. I'm living in this pretty busted apartment in Kensington Market. But a tour, of course, you know, ends with this being near my room, which I'm guessing is the ideal destination here, right? So, like, rooms are where you have sex, right? So we're standing in my living room adjacent to mine. It's five in the afternoon. Uh, like, and we're talking like quickly, like really quickly. It's like an anticipation there, right? My heart rate is high. This is something, is this something we're actually going to do? Yeah. Yeah, it is. So we start making out and we have sex and it's like, good? Like, surprisingly good considering we don't know each other. It's fun and like silly and kind of dumb. 
Ideal stranger sex. <laughs> now we're lying in my bed, and she announces that her next intended stop that day is a kink and fetish meetup. Did I want to go? Now, here's, here's where I failed to say yes and follow the story. Because clearly this night was headed towards some kinds of eyes wide shut style masked orgy in a mansion. And I really wish I could tell you about that. But that's not where things went. In fact, we ended up lying in bed for hours, like having this really open and honest conversation about all kinds of things, right? Uh, relationships, sex, cartoons, gender, action movies. Pretty much all of my sweet spots. <laughs> it was like in that moment, we'd overcome some kind of social barrier purely through an act of transgression that enabled us to be raw and vulnerable with one another. And I'm glad that this happened. It's, it's, it was meaningful and exciting. No, but it's easy to be ourselves with strangers. We don't owe them anything, and if they judge us poorly, we don't have to see them again. There are no stakes. There's a freedom in connections with strangers. And it's hard to be ourselves with people we know, especially people we've been with for a long time. If they turn us down, we risk losing everything. I made a plan to see her again. We were going to meet up sometime and take ecstasy at, uh, in a Denny's. <laughs> but I never saw that girl again. That's it. <laughs> if I expected love. John, welcome to the uh, Stories We Don't Tell podcast. Thank you for coming on. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. So we just heard a story of yours. Mm -hmm. uh, I have to say that you killed it at that, uh, on, that, that, on that particular event. Thank you. Where I wanted to start, though, was mm -hmm. first question I want to ask is I was curious. Um, what what kind of drew you to this thing? I know you'd been to the event before, but what was it that you wanted to, uh, why did you want to tell this particular story? Thrill-seeking. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah? Something like that. Yeah. Like, um, I, like, um, I like doing things that push me out of my comfort zone a bit, and, uh -huh. and that kind of pushed me out of my comfort zone, telling a story in front yeah. of a group of people, especially about the, the topic as well. Uh -huh. um, and I think that was about as far... As I get, like, I, I work on the basis of intuition with some things in my life. And then when I went to the event, I was like, oh, I should definitely do that. And I didn't know why, but I think it was just because it made me feel uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. Like, the idea of doing it made me feel uncomfortable. So I felt like I should do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, was it getting up and telling the story or, or was it more tied into what it was about for you? Both. Yeah. 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 Both. Like, I think I already, you know, yeah, I have, I have anxieties about doing that stuff generally obviously there's like anxieties sexual anxieties as well that everyone has so it's um it seemed like the perfect kind of marriage of um yeah anxieties yeah, yeah i yeah. guess but yeah mm -hmm. 
so what was your your kind of process when you when you uh, started down this road you made this decision that mm -hmm. you're going to tell uh, this story mm -hmm. um so where did it where did it kind of start from with you uh, in terms of writing the story or in terms of let's let's uh, start with writing the story first okay. i just wrote it out actually it seemed to just come together kind of quite nicely mm -hmm. in terms of um, what was happening and it just seemed to have I think because it was about kind of one event mm -hmm. and I think if you have one event to go on it's quite easy because you can have the build up to the event and you have the event and you have a little bit of the aftermath right so mm -hmm. yeah it just wrote out it just kind of it just it was quite lucky it just kind of came together mm -hmm. pretty much yeah I don't know I think to me what was it was really interesting I mean there was lots of interesting things about it but um was that you're you were talking about one thing mm -hmm. but you fit like you did that really cool thing about how you did fit all of these like larger kind of things in there that whatever it is, like you mentioned, you know, sexual, um, uh, <laughs> you know, anxiety mm -hmm. or, or like all the stuff that, that, you know, are more u universal that people can kind of latch onto and, mm -hmm. and go through that experience with you. Mm -hmm. So it was, uh, I don't know, was that a mistake <laughs> or was it like um, kind of built into the story that you were, you were telling in a way? I guess it was built into the, the story. I mean, a lot of that stuff is quite universal now, dating experiences. Um, and I think in terms of, I think not really knowing what you're doing mm -hmm. as a very general topic it is a lot, of pe a lot of people can identify mm -hmm. with that. Mm -hmm. um, and I think people don't really talk about that very much. They don't really talk about not really knowing what they're doing mm -hmm. generally. So I think that was the kind of universal theme that I stumbled upon. Now, whether or not I knew it was a universal theme at the <laughs> yeah. time is like something completely different. But yeah. um, I think that's that. That's kind of what came out. But other things are just lucky. Like mm. other things are just lucky. Like it just it, it wrote itself quite nicely. Mm. Um, and then I didn't know what people would find funny. I just genuinely had no idea what people would find funny because I'd never read something in front of a group of people. Mm -hmm. um, so I had no idea about that so other things i think were just very lucky i think well i i you know i don't want to jump ahead necessarily to the performance part of yeah. it but uh you seem like a natural to me because you were like you were hitting pauses and you were hitting beats it's like you were you were seemed to have this you know you were really listening to what the reaction of the crowd and kind of like going with it yeah i kind of enjoy that though um so i mean i have like i, I have some experience um doing things so i mean i used to be a musician in my kind of teens and then kind of to mid 20s mm -hmm. so i have experience being in front of a crowd i have experience performing uh -huh. um and then i teach as well a bit so i have that that's very performative as well so i have some sure. kind of that stuff going on in it and i must admit i do like i do like exploiting <laughs> spaces i think that's really cool yeah um and when I see performers that I like as well, the performers that I like tend to exploit space or know how to use space. Is this, I mean, I don't, I, I don't want to rush ahead to that stuff, but I think there's, um, there's a certain power in exploiting a space and having a space. And I guess I am familiar with that. Like I'm, I'm aware that when you're with people, they will wait and you can just wait with them mm -hmm. for a little bit. I think that uh, you 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 were doing something there that I, uh, you know, we've talked about some performers and some comedians that, mm -hmm. that we like that in common, and uh, I, I guess the the thing that always comes to my mind with, with some of these guys is is just 
like trusts mm-hmm. the the audience trusts them so mm-hmm. that if there is a long pause or there is something you know they're not consciously saying oh he's leading up to something or or whatever it is but they just know that something is coming that there's a reason for this and i think mm-hmm. it's a strangely kind of unconscious thing that mm-hmm. i agree with you something like teaching and stuff mm-hmm. like that there is that kind of thing that you have to build into it in a way i'm i'm really also curious about mm-hmm. talking a little bit about the content of the piece i think that like given the nature of the story i think once you've decided to tell the story like that decision has been made so the, the nature of the story is this person came around in the middle of the afternoon right mm-hmm. and and this this event happened and once you're committed to telling that story you've just you're just going to tell that story so that's not the part that really worried me mm-hmm. the parts that worried me were first of all if you're going to tell a story that has sex in it the story should be worth telling mm-hmm. and it shouldn't just be a story well i had sex once because that's not an interesting story like lots of people have sex it's not interesting to just say that right mm-hmm. so there needs to be something sufficiently interesting about it it also i also didn't want it to come across as um I guess boasting about like I didn't, I didn't want to be like oh look at this crazy thing that I did isn't this really cool like that again not very interesting story um, or not a good not a story worth telling I don't think mm-hmm. um, and the third thing that worried me was I did I wanted to do the other person in this story justice so mm-hmm. I didn't want um, it to make given the circumstances of the story I didn't want it to sound like oh this you know this crazy wild cuckoo like imaginary person came around you know or this fantasy yeah. person came around um because that seemed also like a really bad idea so those are the three things that worried me about it mm-hmm. i think in terms of actually just talking about science that didn't worry me because as soon as i'd agreed that i was going to do that that was just going to happen mm-hmm. so that would, people were going to find out anyway yeah i'd also been listening to a lot of podcasts where people had just been telling sex stories so sometimes it normalized in my brain that this was a very normal thing yeah but um i just i it's this is just my personal opinion but it is the worst to me when people tell either a story involving sex or some kind of a dating story or things like that where they just go look at this like wild thing that happened and yeah. isn't this and they don't they don't make the other person into a person yeah is it's just something that happened to them and they don't really humanize this person mm-hmm. but i i felt you did that really well and i felt you took a oh, lot thanks. of care to yeah. do that was that part of your sort of uh intention as well like you did say that you wanted to not just be like oh look at this well person. I, th- I thought it was important for me to come out looking like the crazy person or me to come out looking like the weird person I think that was that was the important part for me, mm-hmm. um, because that's the more interesting thing, and that's also like the universal thing, mm-hmm. right? If you just talk about, oh, I had this like fantastic, amazing, ridiculous time, like that might be interesting to someone to hear for someone to hear, but it's not something that people can identify with. Mm-hmm. The, the kind of going through your own personal anxieties about a very like universal thing, I think, is is um, that's interesting. Mm. that's like universal um and that's kind of the story that i wanted to tell mm-hmm. yeah rather than it being about this person yeah one of the things with these with mm-hmm. these stories just in 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 general to me is people uh might have the same kind of thoughts or might have had the same kind of experiences and then they can go oh okay mm-hmm. here's this guy getting up and talking about it like it's sort of you know pulls open a a, a door for somebody in some ways well, I don't know. If I, I don't know. If I felt like that. Um, I, 
felt a bit better about myself. (laughs) (laughs) So if anything, you know, it just made me feel better about who I was. Well, that's Um, a good place to start, right? (laughs) But I don't don't know how how it affected other people. I mean, I think part of the transgressive quality of talking about sex in public is that um, it still is this weirdly... Live, live in this weirdly contrary world where everyone does something and everyone does it in their own particular weird way but no one is willing to talk about it or everyone is terrified of talking about it so it's mm-hmm. this weird I feel like there's always some kind of catharsis when someone is like oh I really like this like, I'm really going to talk about this now yeah. I'm going to talk about this because yeah, I think innately, most of us feel like, oh, oh that's okay. There's <laughs> a relief. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not just this person that does this. Yeah. It's not just me that does this. It's yeah. like everyone does this. Everyone has these anxieties, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but that might just be me, me, me projecting onto other people. So. Uh, well, John, uh, thank you for coming on. I hope you'll come on again. And, and uh, I can't wait till your next story. Cool. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Thank you. While I wasn't looking, I don't know how I could repay you for the You can find us online at thereapers.org because we are in the life collecting business. Thanks to Rayana for the theme music to this podcast. You can find out more about her in the show notes or at rayana.ca.